All right, what's our movement model? So when you're looking at all these exercises, peel back two or three layers and you go, okay, what, what is behind all this? What is the context of functional training, okay? What is the context? So I created four drawers to put all of function, the body's function in four drawers because I equated functional training is so wide and so, so huge and it could be so many things that if you see the internet and, and social media, you see functional training and you just see some god-awful stuff that have, has nothing to do with function. So you have to organize what is function. Okay, so the body does a lot of things. So it's like having a lot of clothing in, uh, in a closet, okay? It's a lot easier to organize the closet so when you go in, you can select what you need very fast and get dressed to go to work or get dressed to go to a wedding in five minutes. Because if you have all your stuff in there and go, we're going to a wedding, dress nice, it's gonna take you half an hour just to find it. So we put function in four drawers, four categories, so you know if you're training towards function. And that we call the four pillars of human movement, all right? So pillar one is locomotion, everything you do in life should be centered around being able to get from point A to point B. Man, when you lose that, you're called disabled. You're called a cripple when you can't get from point A to point B. And you get there as a bipedal animal one leg at a time. So that's where we see all our unilateral training, our single leg training, the seven frame, all the things we talk about. To improve from a single leg, we improve it from that perspective. Why? Because locomotion is the number one pillar in, out of the four. Then level changes, that's how we pick things up. That's how we get off the ground when we fall, okay? So when you look at level changes, we basically look at parallel stance level change, picking up the end of a sofa or picking up a UPS box, or level changes to decelerate, okay? And that's where you use your, your single leg staggered stance unilateral, that's where the lunges and lateral lunges and reaching lunges come in. Your push and pull, that's what the upper body does. If the arms and, and, and elbows and hands are going away, it's a push. If it's coming near, it's a pull. Real simple. Okay? And of course, rotation. Rotation is a huge pillar. And the way, you know, some people have tried to make it five pillars, six pillars, three pillars, and they did it, and, and then they rearranged the order to try to make it their own. Well, they made it their own, but they never understood the context of the four pillars. The four pillars were designed like this for this reason. It's not something that I just threw up there with no reason. No. Number one, the most important thing we do as bipedal animals is locomote, okay? So that's pillar number one. So when you analyze pillar number one, you say, what is locomotion? Oh, boom, you take a step. Well, you take a step and you already lowered and raised your center of mass. When you took that step, you pushed with one arm and pulled with the other. Oh, number three. And when you did that, boom, took a step with the left leg with the right hand going forward. Guess what happened in the middle? you rotated, all right? The reason that we put push and pull in the same pillar is because neurologically we're made to push with one and pull with the other so we can rotate, so we can throw, so we can swing a baseball bat, an ax, uh, chuck a spear because of that, all right? So people who mess around with the pillars without, without ever calling me and say, hey man, is there an order? Why did you choose those pillars, all right? did things without context, and that's the problem of not having context. All right, so our evaluation system that evaluates the four pillars, all right, of course has the four pillars, and we have two evaluations for each 
pillar, meaning eight exercises. These eight, eight, eight uh, exercises are, if you ask me, hey, Carlos, just give me an easy exercise with body weight that I can do while I'm on the road or like right before I shower, you know, I would give them these eight exercises. If you said, hey, uh, Carlos, what are like the top eight easy exercises that are very fundamental that are essential or fundamental to each pillar? I would give you the same. So it's very nice because we've always said evaluation has to be the exercise. The exercise has to be the evaluation. They have to be the same thing. If not, you're evaluating something else. Got it? So for locomotion, we have the single leg anterior reach and we have the single leg squat, both analyzing the single uh, seven frame, seeing the uh, alignment of ankle, knee, hip, that kind of stuff. Then the level changes. We have a two-legged squat and lunges. So you have a parallel level change to pick things up, and you have a staggered stance level change to decelerate the body. The push-pull, we have the push-ups, and the recline pull, frankly and admittedly, not the most functional exercises that, that you have. However, I wanted them to be equipment free that you could do anywhere. Uh, the push-up obviously can do anywhere, shows you front core, shoulder stabilization. The recline pull is a little bit more difficult to do in a hotel room because you need towels and wrap it around some kind of you know, uh, door or something like that. Not an easy thing, but if you have a bar in, in a Smith machine or something like that, a recline pull can easily be done. That shows you posterior reach and the function of the scapulas. Then of course we have rotations with pivots and without pivots, and those kind of test core rigidity in transferring energy from the hips to the shoulders, as well as the pivots showing hip rotation, which is very important in changes of direction, loading a swinging movement, and decelerating that same swinging movement. So those are our are, are, um, eight evaluations for our four pillars, okay? All right, now let's talk about some basic definitions so we're on the same page. Uh, I try to keep things simple. Uh, my first thing is to go to Webster's and figure out what, um, what a word means so we can use the understood definition of the word. Now, if I can't find it, sometimes then I got to make it up, all right? So definitions, what, is, what, what do we call metabolic training at IHP? like, well, everything is metabolic. Breathing is metabolic. So what we call metabolic training is training that, is, that gets your metabolic system up and accelerated. So basically, it has a name already, high-intensity training, high-intensity um, interval training, it's all the same thing. You're going hard, and basically what it is, it is the compression of work. That is the key component, the key concept, the key strategy, and how this thing works. All you're doing is taking the amount of work that you could do, I don't normally in three minutes, and compressing it into two. Two minutes, compressing it into one. That's how you know somebody's getting in better shape. What if somebody takes um, they can only get two sets of 12 exercises in an hour, okay? Same weight, same reps. And then in two or three weeks, now they're getting three sets of the same exercise, same reps, same. Are they getting in better shape? Yes. What happened? They did more work in the same hour. That's it. It's that simple. So metabolic training basically is high-intensity training. We call it metabolic training because that's what we call it, all right? How do we do that? We do that in a variety of ways, but the most obvious way we do that is to create circuits, all right? What are the circuits? You'll see that the circuits are a series of exercises. It could be anywhere from three to five exercises put in a strategic order, all right? And we have our little method to the madness as to the order we're looking for, all right? And all you're doing is now starting to 
do it faster, 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 that will eventually hit a terminal speed where you just can't go any faster. Then you can add more circuits back to back or more circuits with one or two minutes of rest. And then you can put those circuits in bigger circuits. So we have a little system, but basically that's what it is. All right, we look at EPOC. Um, it, that is the amount of, uh, of oxygen that you use after you're done exercise. So if I'm walking, okay, and my met metabolism goes up a little bit, my energy expenditure goes up, when I stop walking and I sit down, it just kind of goes back down to normal within a few minutes, okay? If you're doing a metabolic circuit or, you know, high-intensity training, you have EPOC, okay? Uh, basically, it's um, exercise post oxygen consumption, you know, excessive post-exercise uh, post oxygen consumption, all right? And what happens is that curve doesn't come down. That curve stays like this. So all of this, all of this additional oxygen that you're bringing in, that elevated heart rate that stays with you for a long time, all right, all that burn is fat because it's slow energy. You're just, you're just staying revved up for longer. So that's kind of one of the mechanisms by which it has its benefits. All right, this is all about power endurance. Resistance against fatigue. That's what it is, power endurance. That's the last phase. So all these metabolic circuits are awesome for getting you ready for that last phase of training where you're just gonna become a cyborg and you're just gonna have a huge tank of gas and you're gonna be unstoppable, all right? And the whole, the whole physics behind it is power. We're trying to increase your power output. Not your power in a vertical jump. No, no, no. Your power over a minute. Your power over two minutes. Your power over five. All right? So you can do that slalom ski. All right? Skiing. So you can do that MMA round. Got it? So those are the definitions, and that's basically some, uh, those are basically some of the concepts that we're going to be working with. Now, let's look at the hormonal system, and I'm going to preface that by saying... This is not my, my shtick, man. I am not a biochemical guy. I'm not an organic chemistry guy. I'm not an endocrine guy. I'm an exercise training coaching guy. I know enough about this to let you know what's happening at the very basic level so you know that there is some context behind it, that there is some hormonal stuff behind it. All right? And that's it. That's it. That's all we need to know. And that how it impacts the hormones, and that's it. No more. All right, so, but enough to say that a hormonal system is very important. It rejuvenates the body, it allows it to recover, it can be an antidepressant, it can be an anabolic stimulus, it can be a lipotropic stimulus. So your hormones are in charge of everything, man. Your, your morphology, your mood, your, your state of mind, are, are you sharp, are you not, okay? They affect everything. So... Hormones are extremely important to pay attention to. And anything that's pro-hormone, all right, should be something that's important to you, whether it's the proper food, the proper timing of food, the proper exercise, whether it's enough or too much, all of that should be important to you. Why? Because at the end of the day, this is what rules the world inside of your body, hormones, okay? Let's take a look at some of the basic hormones. Which ones are going to be basic that we're going to look at? Leptin, grenaline, insulin, glucagon, testosterone, and growth hormones. There's a ton more. But these are just some big ones, all right? And especially some big ones that we know metabolic training impacts. So let's look briefly at each one. All right, leptin. 
This is, the exor- uh, this is the hormone that's really important, and we touch on this a little bit at a deeper level in the nutrition um, certification that we have. And this is the hormone that makes you feel full, all right? This is the one that, that you wish you had all the time, all right, because you wouldn't be eating, all right? And, and we thought, once upon a time, that we, if we injected leptin into people, they wouldn't eat, and bingo, because it worked on rats. You inject uh, rats with leptin, and they don't want to eat, and they get thin. So we thought it would work. Eh, guess what? Works on rats, not on people. But what happens? You know, this is produced, this hormone is produced in fat, in stomach, and in the muscle. It regulates um, uh, appetite in the brain long term, and it tells the brain, I'm full, don't eat. And most of the studies of intense exercise on leptin are conflicting. That's the problem. We don't know if it helps a lot, if it doesn't help a lot, if it's short-term, if it's long-term. We do know that after hard exercise, you kind of don't want to eat for a little bit. So maybe short-term, it might make you feel full, hard exercise. Long-term, we're not sure. Some say yes, some say no. So, you know, the, the jury is still out on that one. But look... I have a feeling, just a feeling, it's only a theory, that hard exercise, and I'm not talking about every day, I'm talking about two or three times a week for a very short period of time, maybe 10 minutes. So figure you do, I don't know, uh, four, five, six bouts of different intense exercise. You can do a couple of metabolic circuits and some airdyne hits for 30 seconds. I think if you do that, very short, for two or three times a week, I think it's good medicine. Because high-intensity exercise, as you will see, has a positive impact on all other hormones as far as research studies are concerned. Now, because something's not proven in research doesn't mean it doesn't happen, all right? So, if it's happening for all the other ones and the research is conflicting on leptin, I'm willing to roll the dice that we have to look at how it's being studied. Maybe, Maybe we don't have the equipment to study it correctly. Maybe the strategies that we've used to study it are not correct. I'm not sure, but I figured that if high-intensity exercise has a positive impact on regulating hormones, all the other ones, I think leptin uh, would probably be in that category. The next one is ghrelin. Ghrelin produces hunger. So when ghrelin is high, you're hungry. When you're empty, your ghrelin goes through the roof. And it says, hey, man, I'm hungry. And this is a very short term, obviously, because this is... All these hormones are, are instinctual and survival-dominated, right? So, of course, if you're hungry, insulin goes down, glucose goes down, this guy starts ringing the bell. Hey, man, got to get something in my system. It's produced in the stomach, wouldn't you know. Regulates apt- appetite at the brain, obviously, with centers of the brain. Because remember, these things are produced somewhere else, okay? Fat, muscle, stomach, this, that. But they always go and trigger something in the brain, all right? And intense exercise lowers ghrelin. That means you're not hungry. So maybe ghrelin is lowered and that's why you're not hungry, or leptin is up and maybe that's not, uh, that's why, why you're hungry. But the key thing is this. This we do know. Exercise may raise one or, or lower the other, okay? They're like insulin and glucagon. They work like this, right? All right, now. What we do know is that they don't work independently. So maybe raising leptin ain't gonna be the story, or lowering uh, ghrelin ain't gonna be the story. What we do know is that intense exercise balances both of them. And at the end of the day, it's not 
the ghrelin levels, and it's not the leptin levels. It's the ghrelin levels relative to the leptin levels, and the leptin levels relative to the ghrelin levels. This, this orchestration. This is the important thing. That's why leptin, when we inject it in people, didn't do anything. Why? Because maybe it needs to play with ghrelin. And it's this that allows you to lose the fat. It's this that makes you have a healthy metabolism. It's this, and we do know for a fact that intense exercise helps opposing, opposing hormones regulate and play nice together. So again, from that perspective, metabolic training is justified.